Hi, everybody. Randy Odom here. Uh, I am the pastor of senior adults at Three Crosses. And today I want to talk to you about how you are a valued participant. For the past three days, we've begun a journey of unpacking the idea of the Imago Dei, the image of God being imprinted on every person who has ever walked the planet, including our worst enemy, our beloved family and friends, and even ourselves. I take this to mean that in each and every human being throughout history, there has been a divine resemblance between that individual and his or her creator. Something in their unique and individual character, spirit, personality, manner, conduct, or what have you, is a reflection of God. As we've seen previously, according to Genesis 1, all of humanity, all of humanity, was created in God's image and likeness, granting each and every human tremendous value and worth. Today we explore what it means that we as image bearers have been given this divine prerogative of ruleship and dominion over the rest of God's physical creation. In verse 28 of Genesis 1 it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In this pronouncement, we see God as king, bestowing royal status on his human offspring. And this pronouncement comes directly on the heels of verse 27 of Genesis 1, where it says God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. It was based on their having been created in God's image that they received the royal status to rule over God's creation. Something that I find intriguing when I meet a child for the first time is to look at them and see if I can identify their parents in their faces. It's really uncanny and, and dare I say, mysterious to actually see both of their parents looking back at me. Often a child will look more like one or the other of his parents, but if I look intently or closely enough, I can usually find some resemblance in their face to both of their parents. That's why when we are looking for some sort of example of what our royal purpose looks like on this earth, the best place to look is directly at the Son of God himself, Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, in Hebrews 1.3, the writer states, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And in Colossians 1.15, the Apostle Paul writes, The Son, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In modern-day vernacular, perhaps you've heard it said, Jesus is God with skin on. He himself said in John 14.9, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And in John 1, verses 9 to 11, in the account of Jesus' baptism, God the Father acknowledges Jesus as his Son. It says, at the same time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, 
he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So what did the Son of God do as the perfected royal image of God? Well, as John 21, 25 says, if everything Jesus did were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. But we do know that the Gospels paint a picture of a man who was a carpenter by trade, who understood his calling to rescue humanity, and who went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. According to Matthew 9.35, here's another way to look at it. Jesus ruled and subdued the earth by taking the chaos and disorder of our world and transforming it into something that would bring human flourishing and abundant life. He takes the scraps of wood and builds something useful out of it. He takes the pharisaical teachings of the day and reorients them back to their original purpose of heart transformation. He takes diseases and afflictions and heals them. And most prominently, as Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5 says, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us, we who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. From chaos, disorder, destruction, slavery, and death, to order, flourishing, restoration, freedom, and life. But that's only the beginning of the story. That same Galatians 4 passage continues in verses 6 and 7, saying, And because we are his children, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Can you believe it? If you have come to faith in Jesus, you have become heirs of royalty. Earlier in Galatians 3, verse 29, Paul says that all who trust in Christ, no matter their background nor the state of their life before coming to Christ, all are heirs according to God's promise. That means that our true royal status is bestowed freely as a gift, without concern for the life lived prior to coming to Jesus. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians 1 verses 3 to 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For God chose us in Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Wow. In God's grace and kindness, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he brings true human flourishing by adopting us 
and then restoring his divine image on all who trust in Jesus Christ. This image of adoption is near and dear to me because I have an adopted son, Noel, who's 12 years old. Noel came into our lives in Cambodia when my wife and I were serving there as missionaries. He was 14 months old at the time we got him. Over the past 11 years, I have learned more about the Father heart of God than I had learned in my previous 40 years of following the Lord. As I've said many times since Noel came into our lives, I could not love him anymore even if he were the fruit of my own loins. But one thing I know about Noel, and I know it really acutely now, now that he's a middle schooler, what I know is that he is a sinner just like me. He has a rebellious spirit just like me. He wants his own way just like me. And I'm ashamed to admit that many of those unwholesome traits he has learned from me. But what astonishes me and amazes me even more is that in spite of Noel's sinful, rebellious, sometimes selfish spirit, my love for him is not diminished one iota. I love him just because, just because he's my son. So to any of you listening to this, this means that in order to answer the question, who are you, we need to look at the question, whose are you? 1 Peter 2.9 says of God's people, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. God's royal image is stamped on all those created in his likeness. We will inevitably see those around us taking the raw materials of the earth and advancing them towards some sort of direction. But as Christians, the characteristic or trait that most shows off our resemblance to our Creator is our selfless love for all other image bearers behind everything we rule and subdue. Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So whenever any of us take our sphere of influence in our corner of the earth and use what we have been given to contribute to human flourishing in the love of Christ, we are acting as God's royal offspring. Let's love the world in the way God loved the world because we have experienced God's love for us by faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. May we realize that all of humanity have been created in his image. But as Christians, may the Holy Spirit transform us so that people will say of us, he or she is the spitting image of his or her Heavenly Father.